Take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. I can stay a little longer. I got rid of that sweater. I'm not as hot as I was. I thought it was cold out here today. I was wrong. Mark chapter 8. I'll look at uh, uh, back into the book of Mark and uh, look at uh, this story, uh, the feeding of the 4,000. And as we dig into this text, I want to tell you, you're there. Everybody in this room is in this story. Uh, and hopefully you'll see that uh, before we get done. That uh, everybody in this room, everybody uh, that has ever existed or will exist, is represented uh, in this story of the feeding of the 4,000. As we venture in and wade into this story, uh, I think one of the things that uh, we need to address uh, to begin with uh, is uh, an area of criticism that some uh, have uh, taken towards uh, scripture, uh, and that is the distinction between this miracle uh, and the feeding of the 5,000 uh, that is recorded in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, some have taken and uh, used the differences uh, to point out that, um, that they were mistaken, uh, that the Bible is inaccurate. Um, I don't quite follow uh, that logic. Uh, because somebody tells you at one point there was a feeding of 5,000 and somebody tells you at another point there was a feeding of 4,000 doesn't mean either one of them was wrong. Uh, It means that at one point there was a feeding of 5,000 and at another point there was a feeding of 4,000. That's what it means. uh, uh, It is is the account uh, of two different events. Um, And all you have to do is look carefully um, at the details uh, of the two accounts, and in short order, uh, you see that Matthew and Mark are uh, recording two different, uh, two different feedings, two different uh, meals. Uh, and so I want to take just a moment uh, and look at that. Uh, one is, uh, if you look, uh, and uh, I think I have a, a chart that's going to come up uh, for you uh, that uh, kind of distinguishes some of those uh, differences. Uh, in Matthew 14, uh, we have again obviously a feeding of 5,000 and a feeding of 4,000. Uh, and so obviously there is a large uh, difference in the two. Uh, and again, the first one uh, would, uh, doesn't include uh, the women and children that were there. And so it was more like uh, probably a feeding of close uh, to, uh, close to 20,000. Uh, the first one was a crowd of uh, mostly uh, Jewish people. Uh, this second feeding, the one we're looking at today, is a feeding of a majority of Gentiles uh, that were gathered uh, there. Uh, this miracle stands out because uh, this miracle shows us uh, that Christ is not just a redeemer or a Messiah, which would be what the Jews uh, were uh, looking for, uh, would have been a Messiah. Uh, But this one shows us that he is a Redeemer. Uh, And so there is a distinction uh, between the two, that uh, he comes to uh, for more 
that he is coming from more uh, than just the Jews. If you uh, look, you'll see that the first story uh, in Matthew tells us that they had been in the wilderness for one day. Uh, in Mark, they had been there three days. Uh, in Matthew, there were five loaves and two fishes. Uh, and in this story, there are seven loaves and a few fish, a few small fish to be uh, specific. Uh, and so uh, there is a distinction uh, there. Uh, they are uh, in two different locations. Uh, one was north of Galilee, one was uh, south of Galilee. Uh, different amount of leftovers. Twelve baskets of leftovers versus seven baskets uh, of uh, leftovers. In Matthew, there was one prayer. Uh, in Mark, there are two prayers. Uh, and so there is obviously uh, a distinction between these two. These are not uh, stories, the same story. And Matthew and Mark uh, confused on the details. These are Matthew and Mark uh, revealing two different uh, stories. There's certainly nothing. Uh, Melissa said a while ago she had already testified she could do it again. Uh, if Jesus fed 5,000 one time, he could feed 4,000 the next time. Uh, there is not a rule anywhere that says he can't uh, repeat a miracle. Uh, in fact, we depend on him uh, repeating miracles. We see in scripture uh, quite often that he healed people, uh, yet that doesn't stop us from praying for healing. We hope uh, he will repeat a miracle. Um, we see him feeding the hungry. Uh, some of you have been there when your pantry was empty. You hope he will repeat a miracle and feed the hungry. So there's certainly no reason why Jesus couldn't repeat a miracle uh, a second time in a different setting with a different crowd and not only that but for a different purpose uh, again he had a different reason for feeding the 5,000 he had an audience of Jews he has a different reason for feeding the 4,000 with an audience uh, of mainly Gentiles and so uh, that is our purpose here this morning uh, is to dig in and see what was going on at the feeding of the 4,000 and uh, what was going on. Why did Jesus perform this miracle? What is the message of this miracle? Uh, and as I said, to find you. Uh, you are in this story. Uh, and if you look closely, you'll see you. Uh, and if you don't see you, hopefully when I get done, I'll show you you. Uh, and you will see you uh, when, uh, when we get done this morning. I assure you, you are here. Uh, and uh, you just stick with me for a minute, and uh, we will see uh, at the end that uh, you are definitely in this story uh, in one way. Uh, or another. Uh, to begin looking at this text uh, and understanding this story uh, of the feeding of the 4,000, uh, we have to begin, it's a little bit of a, uh, of a complex story, uh, all that was uh, taking place here. There is a, uh, a good deal uh, of complexity uh, to this story uh, that we need to kind of untangle before we can get uh, to what was actually uh, taking place here. And so as we begin looking at uh, verse 1, it says, In those days when again a great crowd had gathered, uh, and notice that word, again a great crowd had gathered. Uh, and so it's not out of the, the realm of uh, belief that this is a second uh, incident where Christ fed the multitude. Again, a great crowd together. And they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to him and said. Uh, and so 
Uh, as we uh, look at this story, uh, there, there, again, there's several things that, uh, again, we need to kind of uh, untangle just a little bit uh, before we dig too deep, uh, before we're able to dig uh, into the story, really. And one of them is uh, the fact that in all of this, and uh, all that Jesus is doing, all that Jesus does uh, during his earthly ministry, he is always uh, working to demonstrate uh, his messiahship. He is working uh, to drive home the, the truth uh, of that he is the true messiah, uh, that he is the son of God, come to seek and to save that which is lost. And, uh, and everything he does, whenever you read anything during the, uh, in the gospels, during the ministry of, uh, of Christ, whether he's uh, raising the dead, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, uh, sharing a parable, uh, walking on water, calming the storms, whatever it is that Jesus is doing, remember always he is working to demonstrate and to drive home the truth to his people uh, that he is the Messiah, uh, that he is the Son of God, that he is uh, the one that they have been looking for uh, since Old Testament days. And everything he does uh, is done uh, with that in mind. And so uh, the same is true here uh, of this miracle. Again, uh, we obviously we see the, uh, the, the, the surface issue is that there's a group of people who are hungry. Uh, there are a group of people who need feeding. And, and certainly Jesus, we see, has uh, compassion on them. He is concerned about them. And, and certainly he wants uh, to feed them. Uh, but more importantly, uh, in feeding them, uh, he wants them to understand uh, and to see his power demonstrated and to see uh, that he is truly uh, the Messiah, the Son uh, of God. That is, uh, again, in every one of his miracles, he was grieved uh, because his friend Lazarus was dead. He was uh, concerned uh, that his disciples were uh, fearful and, uh, and scared in the storm and calmed the seas. But all of that uh, was done with the purpose of revealing uh, that he was uh, truly the Son of God. And so that's going on in all this, in all this great story of, uh, of taking a handful of uh, fish and bread and, and feeding a multitude and all that is taking place here, uh, the great uh, movement, the great uh, heart-touching uh, scene of Christ being compassionate on this crowd uh, and learning about the compassion of Christ. All of those are important issues, but we need to make sure that in all of it, we keep in mind that all of that was done with the purpose of revealing himself as the Son of God, as the Messiah uh, that, they had, uh, that they had sought for. And, and in a direct way, uh, he was, uh, one of the other things that was going on there, in a very uh, straightforward way, Jesus was showing the disciples, here is your job. Your job is to minister. Your job is to take care of uh, the needy. Uh, your job is to help meet the needs uh, of the people, no matter who they were. Uh, I, the Bible doesn't record this, and, uh, and, and I may be taking a, 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 a sermon liberty here uh, that I shouldn't, but I'm I feel rather comfortable in doing so. I can only imagine that his disciples had a different attitude, a different opinion, passing out the loaves and fishes the first time when they were passing them out to their Jewish uh, brethren than they did 
this time when they were passing them out to their Gentile enemies. Uh, they had a, a, a different uh, feeling down in their heart. Uh, again, the Bible doesn't say it, and, and, and I'll acknowledge, I, I'm speculating, I'll acknowledge, uh, quite frankly, I could be wrong. Uh, but based on the relationship Jews had with Gentiles, based on some of the other responses that uh, his disciples had at various times, uh, I think it's a fairly safe, uh, fairly safe guess to say that the disciples, I'm not saying they were angry, I'm not saying they were, you know, standing at the front of the room going, hey, have a big kid, have some bread. But, but I do think down deep in their heart, uh, if they were very honest, they would admit there was a little bit of a different attitude uh, in feeding Gentiles and feeding Jews. Uh, there's a good chance when they fed the 5,000 that some of the people there possibly were some of their relatives, their neighbors, their friends, uh, their, their countrymen, their people who lived in their neighborhood. Maybe their school teacher from back in school, who knows? And, and so they had a, I just can't help but believe they didn't have a little bit uh, of a different attitude uh, about feeding the 5,000 than they did in feeding the 4,000. When the 4,000 are foreigners, the 4,000 are strangers to them. The 4,000 are worse than foreigners and strangers. The 4,000 are dogs. The 4,000 are pagans. The 4,000 are heathen. The 4,000 are their enemy. And yet Jesus says, we're going to feed them the same way we did the 5,000 Jews. We're going to take care of them in the same way. Don't tell me there wasn't a lesson there. Don't tell me there isn't a reason that there is two feedings. There was a feeding of the Jews and a feeding of the Gentiles. Jesus was teaching his disciples. He's teaching his followers something of extreme importance. I didn't just come for one group. I came for all men. That I came, as John 3.16 tells us, I came to the world. I, I didn't just come for the 5,000 Jews on the north side. I came for the 4,000 Gentiles on the south side. And, and, and so he was making a, a pointed reminder both to, to his disciples uh, and, and I think to, to the audience as well. Uh, I think if you reason with me a moment, uh, you would come to the conclusion as well that had he stood up among that group of 4,000 and said, we have nothing to eat, go home, and they would have went home and as Jesus predicted here, he said, if I send them home hungry, some will faint on the way and they, they, they won't make it home because they're so hungry. And had that, had that actually been the case, had that happened, had Jesus sent the 4,000 away, and the 4,000, some of those 4,000, let's just presume a young child or a, a young mother, a pregnant mother, somebody on the way home had fainted from, uh, from hunger and bounced their head off of a rock and got hung, hurt or something. Now, Let's flash forward a few weeks then after the event, and they're sitting around talking. Did you hear what happened to little Georgie? What? Oh, what happened? Well, they were out in the wilderness listening to Jesus, and, and they didn't have any food. They sent everybody home. And on the way home, he was so hungry, he fell out and hit his head, broke his little arm. Oh, that's terrible. So I said, well, I don't understand that. When Jesus had a group of Jews up on the north end, and they got hungry, he did a miracle and fed them all. Why didn't he feed them? Anybody else in here can imagine that kind of story happening? 
Yeah, if you haven't, you haven't kept up with politics in the 2000s. You know how people are. Don't tell me that story wouldn't have been twisted around. Don't tell me that wouldn't have been the story. You know as well as I do. The story would have been on the front page of the paper. Jesus lets 4,000 Gentiles starve. You know that. It would have been breaking news. Jesus Jesus has Jesus eats the seven the seven fish and the, the seven loaves and a little bit of fish and lets everybody else go hungry. You got any problem imagining that story? Again, the Bible doesn't say it. I'm just playing out what the story, how it could very easily transpire. Jesus was teaching the disciples, he was teaching that crowd that he came to save the world. He, he came for all. Didn't just come for the Jews on the north side, he came for the Gentiles on the south side. He didn't just come for the whites, he came for the blacks, the reds, the yellows, the polka dotted, the striped, everything else. He didn't just come for the Americans, he came for the Americans, the Chinese, the Africans, the Europeans, the Italians, whoever. And he came to save all. That, that was his purpose. I think, why, why is there two accounts? Why was there an account of 5,000 Jews and 4,000 Gentiles for that single purpose, if nothing else? To show us the importance that, that uh, again, uh, of reaching out to all. Again, you have to really understand this and to see that you really have to grasp how bad the Jews thought of the Gentiles. The Gentiles considered the Jews to be, uh, again, to be heathens. Their, their, their prejudice against Gentiles was beyond our comprehension, honestly. We, we are familiar with prejudice. All of us have experienced prejudice. We have probably all, if we are honest, you had prejudice at some point over some issue. But I don't think even our knowledge of prejudice measures up to the prejudice the Jews had uh, against the Gentiles. To be honest with you, had the newspaper said, Jesus lets 4,000 Gentiles starve, there's a good chance the Jews would have accepted him at that point. That's how bad they hated the Gentiles. They despised the Gentiles. And so Jesus here is coming, showing them that he's coming to save all of mankind. And the disciples desperately needed to learn that truth. Why did they need? Why was that so important for them to learn that? Because in just a few weeks, a few days, Jesus is going to be leaving, and the disciples are going to be tasked with the assignment of carrying the gospel. And Jesus wanted them to see clearly their job was to carry the gospel of uh, His gospel not only to the Jews but to the Gentiles, to all men. We see today the message is very clear for you and I. The, the, the message is clear still today that, that we're to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ not just to our 5,000, but to those 4,000. Not just to the 5,000 that look like us. Not just to the 5,000 that are from the same neighborhood as us. Not just from the 5,000 that have the same, uh, same citizenship as us, but the 4,000 that we may not necessarily care for. I know everybody in this room has an opinion about what's going on 
in the United States with all the immigration talk. Now, and I'm just, I'm just sharing mine with you because I'm up here. You come up here after I get done, you share yours. Maybe. Depends on how you act. My daughter is an immigrant. I went and got her and brought her here. But you know what? I fought for a year to go through immigration. I made more than one person angry, including myself. Ran my blood pressure up. I went to one more than one meeting. I've been fingerprinted. Something I don't think I've ever been in my life. But I was that time. I've been fingerprinted. I've been investigated. I filled out I don't know how many reports and kept filling them out all the way to the day we landed back in New Jersey. Filled out all them reports. She's leaving. She is an American. It's of September the 11th, 2005. She is an American. We didn't leave. If you want to come here, I don't blame you. I don't know how I ended up here. God help us all. I don't have a problem. If I, was in, if I was in another country, you know what I'd be trying to do? Find me a boat, plane, raft, something, and I'd be wanting to come to America too. But come right. Come legal. Now let me say, having been on both sides of that, the United States of America needs to make coming legal something the average human being can do. It is a disaster. But all of that aside, the church needs to stop and say, you know what? We don't have to go to San Paulo. We don't have to go to Brazil. All we got to do is walk out the front door and holler. And there's somebody out there that needs Jesus. They may not look like us. They may not have been born at the same hospital we were. They may not talk like us. They may talk wrong. But we talk right, being from the side, you know. But just like these disciples, we need to learn that Jesus didn't come for just the 5,000 that are like us. He came for the 4,000 that are not like us. He came for the 4,000 that are not only not like us, but that we may not like. But Jesus loved them. And if Jesus loved them, we better learn to love them. Jesus here, there's a great lesson in these two. There's a, there's a definitely a reason why he shared this story, both these stories that occurred here as he tried to uh, latch out to them. I want you to understand something else about this crowd. As we look at this crowd, they were obviously hungry spiritually. The Bible says they were so hungry spiritually as we look at them. They've been following Jesus They've gone without food for three days just to follow Jesus and to hear his teaching. That's what the Bible says. So they haven't eaten three days. Listen, some of y'all along about 10 to 12 will be getting cranky. May not even take that long. These people had went for three days without eating so they could follow and hear the gospel. Hear the words of Jesus Christ. They were hungry for spiritual food. 
Listen, what, what we need to understand today, and, and, and thank you so much. I hadn't, I hadn't even acknowledged it, and I'm sorry. Thank you. I, I see back in the corner the, the food that you brought in. Thank you for that. Thank you for being sacrificial. I know how expensive food is. I know that buying food to donate in this day, in this time, is a challenge. I understand that, but I thank you for that, and I know that the folks, the volunteers that work at the sharing house will be grateful because I know them and I and I talk to them constantly about I tell them regularly I can train a monkey to hand out food what I need you to do is give them a can of beans and tell them about Jesus anybody can hand out food but you can't hardly share the gospel with a hungry man what we need to remember is that our world around us is spiritually hungry just like these people that's why we had today men and women, young boys and young girls, college-age kids who are following. All you have to do is, is go online and do a, little, do a little digging through videos and listen as people go out into the streets and interview college-age kids and ask them questions about what they believe and, and what they believe about God, what they believe about heaven, what they believe about Satan, what they believe about hell. To know that it's not that they don't believe, they may not believe correctly, but they believe. And they're searching. Folks, I want to tell you, 4,000 doesn't even begin to touch the number of people around us right here who are hungry for the gospel. We're starving for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the disciples needed to have compassion. Jesus looks at this crowd. And he says, this cry, it moves me. I'm going to ask you a real simple question this morning. When we look around us, and we do look, don't, don't pretend we don't. We see it on the news. We go out in the community. Oh, we move with compassion. What, what, what is the emotion you would say you have as you look at Cabarrus County? What would be the emotion you have? If you were brutally honest this morning, I, I can tell you, because I, I live here too. been here my whole life. For a lot of us, it's anger. We look at our little town, we look at our little county, our little community, and we see what it used to be. We remember, we can pull out of our driveway without looking. Because there wasn't nobody coming. We remember when we could go to the store and didn't have to stand in line for an hour to get a loaf of bread. We remember when our taxes wasn't through the roof to pay for schools we don't have kids in. And let's be honest, sometimes we look at our little community and we get angry. Sometimes we look at our little community, our little town, we get sad. We get angry. Very seldom we look at our little communities and get happy. There for a while when I was hoping that on the corner above my house where they started building, I was hoping it was going to be a Chick-fil-A. I was happy. 
Then I found out it was a Dollar General. And I was disgusted because I thought, why do we need another one? And then they got it open, and I got happy again because it sure is convenient. But how often do we look at our little community with compassion? How often do we look at our neighborhoods with compassion? I want you to I want to give you a homework assignment. I want you to go home and I want you to read all four gospels. And I want you to look at them. And I want you to see how many times Jesus looked at the crowd. Jesus looked at the community. Jesus looked at the people and had compassion. Many times it just flat says it. But even when it doesn't say it, he shows it. Compassion. Do we look at our community? And I listen, I've lived here my whole life just like you have. If you counted up the day, if you added in all the time I've traveled, I've spent 99.9% of my life in Cabarrus County. I don't even like to go to Rowan County. I told somebody one time, they looked at me like I had three heads. I'd be all right if they built a wall down about Mecklenburg County line. They want to build a wall. I'm going to build one right there. That'd suit me. Keep them down there. Keep me up here. I'd be all right. Every time we look at our community, I know all the drawbacks. I know it. I know all the bad things that are going on. I know all the negative. I know the crime, the drugs. I know everything we look at. I'm like you. I see it. I'm, I'm not naive. I'm not trying to pretend it's not there. But does it evoke any compassion in our heart? You know, there's a reason there's crime and drugs and all those bad things. Those people need Jesus. Those, those, those people need Jesus. Many of those people who are coming here from other countries and other lands come from areas that are largely, two, two, two major groups that are coming here are Jehovah Witnesses and Catholics. Or just flat lost. There was a time when you could go to Walmart and you couldn't swing a dead cat and not hit a Christian. Now you'd be lucky to set off a bomb and kill one. Because they're not there. We're outnumbered. Are we like Jesus in this crowd of 4,000? I can hear some good Baptists in this crowd. Well, you're just coming out here in the wilderness. Why not bring a lunch? Ain't my job to feed them. If I'm lying, I'm done. Y'all know it's true. They knew their babies was going to be hungry. Why they bring my head to me to feed? Ain't my job. Tell them to get a job. Y'all laughing, you know it's true. Jesus saw a song of compassion. He was moved with compassion. This moves right into this next verse. They had a need for spiritual food. They had a need for compassion. They had a need for they had a need for evangelism. They needed to hear 
the gospel. They needed to hear the gospel. And because of that, Jesus was moved with compassion. Look at the compassion of the Savior. Jesus just flat says it in verse 2. I have compassion on the crowd. They've been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. I've already been on that before I even got to the verse. Compassion. We all know in this room we're to be like Jesus. We all know, we all know that we're supposed to act like Christ. Well, again, what is the one thing we see demonstrated in the life of Christ over and over, all the way to the cross? Compassion. Empathy. Christ demonstrates it over and over. Can you imagine Christ standing out there looking at the 4,000, saying they've been with me three days, wonder why they didn't bring a lunch. Can anybody in this room picture Jesus doing that? Can anybody in this room picture Jesus looking at the crowd and saying, y'all need to get a job? Anybody in this room picture a Christian doing that? Enough said. I'll move on. You see the compassion of Christ. And you see the confusion of the servants. Look in verse 4. And his disciples answered him and said, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? What are we going to do about it? Now, if there is one thing that is confusing about the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, it's how quickly the disciples forgot. If there's a good argument for why there's a story of the feeding of the 5,000 and a feeding of the 4,000, it's how quickly the disciples forgot. He had to teach them again and show them again what he was going to do. The disciples, they're confused. Well, what are we going to do about this? How can we feed them? Listen. We look, we, we try to use that same excuse sometimes. We look at the, the magnitude of the problem. We look at how lost our society is and say, what am I going to do about it? I'm reminded years ago, <clears throat> when I still worked at the bakery, we got a new plant manager. I, I probably have told you this story before, but it's, it's, it's one, of those, one of those stories that sticks with you. We got a new plant manager. And he did something we've never had done before. When it came up to Christmas, he allocated, for example, I had 11 guys that worked for me in Canals, and myself, and the two in the thrift store. So that's 14. He gave us $60. $5 a piece. I know some of you are going, wee! $5 a piece to put towards a Christmas gathering of however I wanted to use it, I could plan something. I had that $60 to use towards a Christmas something for the people who worked for me. The previous plant managers found out about it and sent the word, if I couldn't do more than $5, I just wouldn't do anything. 
And we sent back the word to him, and that's exactly what you did with nothing. Five dollars is better than nothing. Which would you rather have? Five dollars or nothing? Granted, probably could have been more, probably should have been more. But it was five dollars more than we used to get. He at least did that. Folks, you may not be able to feed all 4,000, but share what you got with one. You may not be able to bring revival to the United States, but you can carry the gospel to your neighbor. You may not be able to fill up the Coliseum or the stadium in Charlotte and have a great evangelistic meeting, but you can tell your aunt, your uncle, your co-worker, your partner on that machine at work, you can tell them what Jesus has done in your life. You may not be able to give them a million, but you don't have to give them nothing. Give them five. What are we going to do about it? Do something. These men were confused because they had forgot who they served. That quickly, they had forgot their mission. Why is there a feeding of the 5,000 and a feeding of the 4,000? Because we forget. We forget. Then look at the contentment. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples, set before the people, and they set them before the crowd, and they had a few small fish. By the way, there's another distinction between the two feedings. In the feeding of the 5,000, they set them in rows, they put them in a place, set them in order. Here they just fed them. And they set them before the crowd. They had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these should also be set before them. And the eight were satisfied. They took up the broken pieces, left over seven baskets full. And they were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with the disciples and went to the, to the district of Damantha. He fed them. He met their need. He met their need. And they went away satisfied. Jimmy, you said a while ago I was going to see myself in this text. Oh, you're there. Everybody in this room is there. You're there because there's two groups of people, two types of people in this story. There are those in this story who have food, and there are those in this story who need food. Those are only two types of people there are. The only two types of people in this story is the only two types of people in this world. Those who have it, and those who don't. And I'm not talking about loaves and fishes. I'm talking about spiritual food. I'm talking about the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about salvation. You either have it or you don't. 
No other group. I know, just like the, the disciples here, just like the Jews, we like to divide up in groups. If you'd have asked the Jews, they would have told you, oh, there's Samaritans, there's Gentiles, then there's us godly people. And, you know, they, they, they would have divided up into all kinds of groups. They're, they're Orthodox Jews, and they're you know, not so good Jews. Yeah, they, would have, they would have told you all kinds of groups. They, could, they would have broken it up. I don't know how many groups of Jews we would end up breaking you into. But here's reality. We do the same thing today and today. There's white, there's black, there's red, there's American, there's African, there's Mexican, there's you know, English, there's French, there's Spanish. No, they either have Christ or they don't. They either have fish or they don't. And here's the reality of this story. Those who don't have fish need fish. Those who have fish ought to share their fish. That's, listen, you don't need a book this thick. You don't need a seminary degree to figure this story out. You're either in the group that has fish, you're in the group that needs fish. You're in the group that needs fish. I want you to know this morning, you're in a place where you can be fed. In a moment, we're going to sing, and I'm going to invite you, and I'm going to invite you to come up, and I'll show you from God's Word how you can have fish. How you can know Christ. You don't have to leave here in the group that is hungry anymore. Some of you don't even know how to explain it. Maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're in this room and you don't know how to explain it. But you know there's something in you that's missing. You ever been that way? Anybody ever? Anybody in this room ever said, I'm hungry, but I don't know what I want to eat? Anybody in here ever said that? If you hadn't, come with my family at lunch. I'm hungry, but I don't know what I want. There are people who walked into this room this morning. There are people who are joining us online today who are in that bad situation. You're hungry, but you don't know what it is. You know there's something missing. You know there's something wrong. You know something isn't right. You know that, that there's just something that isn't quite... Don't even know how to explain it. Let me explain it to you. What you're missing, what that thing you're hungry for is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. You were built, you were designed, you were born with a spot in you that only Jesus can feel. Some of you have tried to cram drugs, sex, money, you name it, into that spot. And none of it will fill it. The only thing that fits in that hole is Jesus Christ. You're like the 4,000. You're hungry. But the majority of people sitting here this morning, the majority of people listening to me today, you're like the other group. You've got the fish. You've got the bread. But may I be honest with you this morning and extremely blunt? You selfish. You selfish. You like a 
two or three year old. We, we, we see that all the time at my house now with the grandkids. They're, that, they're at that age. One cookie isn't enough. I want the whole pack. Including the one you got. Oh, you got fish and bread, but you're selfish. When's the last time you shared the fish and bread that God gave you? You're sitting here this morning, fat and happy, just as thrilled as you could be. Not literally fat and happy, I'm sorry. Fat and happy, just tickled pink. Some of you this morning, you standing up praising God, you singing, Oh, I'm so glad I'm saved. I, I'm so glad I know I'm going to heaven. I'm so glad Jesus loves me. I'm so glad Jesus lives in my heart. Hee hee. You know, sound like Michael Jackson. You thrilled to death over Wouldn't you share it to save your life? You in this story. You either need fish or you need to share fish. You either need Jesus or you need to share Jesus. Those are the only two types of people in the world, folks. You get on a plane blindfolded and land wherever you want to. Wherever you land, when you get off the plane, there'll be two types of people there. Those who have Jesus, and those who need Jesus. You can get back on that plane, you can do that over and over. You can get back on it, put your finger on the map, go there, get out, look around. They either need Jesus or they got Jesus. Get back on the plane, land again. They either got Jesus or they need Jesus. Land again, they either got Jesus or they need Jesus. You can walk down the street in your neighborhood, every house you pass, they either have Jesus or they need Jesus. You can walk to the next house, they either have Jesus or they need Jesus. You can take a picture of your family, you can go through your family reunion, they either have Jesus or they need Jesus. You can go to work, they either have Jesus or they need Jesus. That's it. Let's quit looking at them as red and yellow, black and white. Let's start looking at them as they have Jesus or they need Jesus. If they... Don't have to. If they need Jesus and you got Jesus, you ought to share. You ought to be telling people what we got in the basket. Well, I don't have much. Seven loaves and a few small fish fed 4,000. Can I remind you of the old hymn? I haven't heard it in a long time. We used to sing an old song. Little as much when God is in it. Little as much in his hand. Seven loaves and two fishes fed four thousand. Your testimony. You know, somebody witnessed to Billy Graham. Somebody witnessed to Dwight Moody. Somebody witnessed the Spurgeon. You may not be much, but you don't know whose hands you put it in. I remember the Olympics a good many years ago, the relay team. 
when the Olympics were in Los Angeles. That's probably been at least 30 years ago or more. Came down to the final leg. Other relay team. And the other runners on that relay team, probably very few of you have a clue who the final leg of that was. You may not even know what I tell you. But the final leg, the final runner on the American relay team was a man by the name of Carl Lewis. And those of you who remember Carl Lewis, man did that rascal run. And our relay team knew all we got to do just don't drop the stick. Just get it in Carl Lewis's hand and get out the way. Just don't drop the stick. I don't have to be the fastest on the, on the course. I just got to hold on to the stick and hand it to the next guy who hands it to the next guy who hands it to Carl and just stands back and watches. You don't have to be the greatest evangelist. You don't have to be the greatest pitcher. You don't have to be the greatest uh, preacher. You don't have to be the greatest. Just don't drop the stick. You just keep passing it. You just keep passing it. Will you help feed the 4,000 today? You either have fish or you need fish. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. There are believers in this room who, if you were honest, you'd say that in my entire Christian life, the whole time I've been a Christian, I've never offered one person fish. I've never told one person about Jesus. I've never invited one person to know my Savior. I've shown them pictures of my grandkids. I've shown them pictures of my car. I've shown them pictures of the fish I caught. But I've never told one person how they could be saved. You've got fish. Would you come this morning and kneel at this altar and say, Lord, help me to pass on the gospel. Just don't let me drop the stick. May not be the greatest evangelist, but help me just let me move it just a little further down the road. Let me tell somebody about Christ. Maybe you're in this room this morning and you'll be honest and say, I need fish. I need Christ. I need to be saved. I know this morning that I'm lost, that I'm far away from God. That if I was to die this morning, I could stand before him and I could tell him I'm a church member. I could tell him the jobs I've had in church. I could tell him the titles I've had in church. But truthfully, I could never point to a day, I could never point to a time when I'd ask Jesus into my heart. I've never been saved. This morning you need to come. You need to put all that other junk aside. And come ask Christ into your heart. Would you do that today? And I'll, if you'll come, I'll take my Bible and I'll show you 
explain to you how you can ask Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior. How you can know that your future is in heaven. If you're joining us online this morning, give me a call, email, something. Let me know and I'll be glad to sit down and talk to you. How you can know. You're in one or two groups. You either have Jesus or you need Jesus. If you have Jesus, you ought to be telling people about Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you ought to be fine. One or two choices. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We ask you today that you take it. God, you break the hearts, break down the defenses, break the walls of Christians who have known you for years, who have a relationship with you, who have no doubt about their eternity, about their relationship with you. And God, they're also not passing it on, not telling others about salvation. They're thrilled to death to have Jesus. Excited about the day, they'll go to heaven. But have given practically no thought to all those around who are going to die alone. God, break our hearts. God, for the ones in this room today, the ones online, who would say, I need Jesus. God, would you? Humble them today enough, break them enough today, that they'd be willing to come and say, I need to be saved. I'm a church member, I, I've been a teacher, I've done this, I've done that, I, I've done all kinds, I've been in church my whole life. The truth is, I don't know Christ personally. And I need to know him as my Father. God, you stir their hearts today. We need the honor for what you do in this building, but in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand here.
you for the items you brought in for the sharing house. Uh, it was asked before the service. Uh, yes, if you want to give financially, uh, if you just put an envelope and put food or sharing house or something uh, on the envelope, we'll know where it goes and Kim will get it there. Uh, and so uh, you can do that. Uh, or you can bring it later, uh, either way. Um, sharing house is only half a mile up the street so we can get it there. Thank you for that, uh, for doing that uh, this morning. All right, let's bow as we are dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for allowing us to gather here today uh, to be with your people. Uh, Lord, we ask you that as we leave here today, uh, God, that you would uh, just uh, bless each one. I thank you, Lord, today. Uh, just as you had to repeat this miracle for the disciples, uh, God, you have to repeat your word for us. Just keep reminding us over and over that if we've got Jesus, we ought to be passing it out. We ought to be telling others uh, that we ought to be uh, taking the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Go with us, keep us safe, bring us back to our next hour. We'll give you the honor for it all. So it's in Jesus' name I pray.